It's already sold. That's just a cardboard cutout. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Mo Video Games Podcast. We re-give you tech news, soundtrack news, uh, gaming news, 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 car news, everything you want in terms of news. You're going to get it right here, right now. What did Maxwell sell? Even I don't know, even though I just pulled the clip and I definitely remember what we were talking about, but I'm going to pretend like I don't know to get you excited about our soundtracks coming up tech news new games coming out we start loving on microsoft for the first time ever in this podcast it's going to be unbelievable and i hope you enjoy automatic transmission sucks um manual is the best and welcome to the mo video games podcast <laughs> i didn't know i i panicked because i hadn't thought of a fun phrase to say upon the opening of the the podcast and therefore random words came out but oliver took it on a great path so we should start an improv comedy club right now i agree and we were just talking about a fun little fun little treat of a snack called the grady six so yeah. That's all I have. <laughs> um, well, I guess to start off in keeping with our apparent car themed tech news that I introduced last week. Um, welcome to the Mo Video Games podcast. <laughs> um, Where we talk about cars. <laughs> yeah. So this is uh, the roadmap for today. We're actually back to soundtracks. Yay. Ready to trigger people. We did. We did homework. We're ready first soundtrack podcast of 2022 but um we'll start off with uh i guess tech news maybe jump into games we've been playing if we have i haven't i think oliver's been playing league like he does um so i think there's not much to talk about there but then we'll get right into the soundtracks um which car news uh my cat is scratching at the door that's the car news she drives a manual. That's why we like Mocha in this household. I'm Mocha. Okay. Hop up. You're so annoying. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, not a little jerk. Cute. So cute. What a chonky nuggy. I know. It's just your fur, though, isn't it, Mocha? It's just a fur. You just big boned. <laughs> um, but yes, your boy Maxwell here has reserved. A 2022 Toyota GR86 Premium, aka manual transmission, aka Grady Six, like and Tom Tom Grady. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I regret che- saying that. Cheese Grady is there. We go. Yeah. But <laughs> not there. May or may not be a license plate coming that says Grady Six on it. So um, aside for that. But uh, if, if for those of you who care about cars, I'll try and keep this brief because this is a video game podcast. But the 86 uh, was a it was given its name back in the day because the engine had an 86 millimeter bore and stroke um, and they revived it as the Scion FRS in the US back in 2012 2013 timeframe with its sister co-developed Subaru uh, BRZ. 
It's a largely Subaru developed motor. It's a, it's a boxer four cylinder. Um, and then for the 2022 model year, they did a complete refresh. It's a new chassis, new body and revised engine. It's the same engine. It still has an 86 millimeter stroke, but they increased the bore to 94 millimeters, I believe. So I took it from a two liter four cylinder to a 2.4 liter four cylinder that makes more power, more torque, um, better chassis it looks a little bit better all that kind of stuff that's the lowdown i i Wait, so one. is it a subaru engine it is a subaru engine yeah okay that's what i figured because when i was looking at the specky boys and i saw it was a boxer engine like the first thing i thought of was my older roommate just railing on boxer engines nonstop. <laughs> i don't know it's like you know you get you get those people that read one little piece of news about one bad thing about it and they're just like boxer engines are never gonna work yeah, they, I think Subaru has gotten a bad rap with some of their engines having head gasket issues. They're typically older engines. I can't speak for the newer ones that they have. Um, but Are you it, saying because the head gasket, because it's like on a, it's not, what do you want to call it? Parallel to the gravity plane, it's perpendicular. So there's like one side of the head gasket that the oil will rest on or something like that. And so that normally is what causes the issue, according to him. I don't know. But that's what he was sure. saying, essentially, since Sounds it's legit. <laughs> yeah, like oil is resting on like one part of the gasket at all times. And that was causing failures. But also Subarus are known to be really reliable cars that last a really long time. And a head gasket issue is not a failed one is not a sign of reliability. So those are kind of two fingers pointed in the opposite direction, Love. especially with how fucking expensive they are to change. That's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. That's true. Um, but yeah, for those of you who aren't aware, a boxer or a flat four is basically there are two cylinders on either side horizontally opposed um, going in and out, all that fun stuff. A lot of Beat four cylinder cars. Yeah, like uh, Corollas, Civics, the the boring cars and, and sometimes more exciting with like the Civic Type R and whatever. But they have an inline four. So all four cylinders are like up um, doing their little thing. Hi, Mocha. Thank you. <laughs> and uh uh, another fun fact that Toyota Supra is a BMW. And so the GR86 is a Subaru. The Supra is a BMW. Toyota is, however, capable of making their own fun cars because they have the GR Yaris in Europe and will, it sounds like, be bringing the engine from the Yaris, a turbocharged three cylinder rally bred engine, over to make a GR Corolla um, hatchback, hot hatchback. Um, that should be pretty exciting. And that will be Toyota developed. Um, so Toyota is trying to rebuild their brand image that used to make really fun, exciting cars like the Supra back in the day and then got the reputation for bland, boring, reliable cars like the Camry, the RAV4 and the Corolla. So coming back around, that's more than you needed to know about cars. I'm excited about it, though. More to come. Like I said, I reserved it. It should be here towards the end of February. Hopefully we'll see what happens. But that was some exciting news for me um well, i thought it was exciting i mean i i'm very excited about it but i'll try to keep th that to the car talk to a limit um each time i think that was about a five minute discussion so that's good for our intro normally it takes us five minutes just to say anything actually coherent so <laughs> that's that's a fun fact yeah um <laughs> so uh for other tech news maybe more related to gaming what what have you got this week oliver Pro League of Legends is back. 
Oh. In case you didn't know, Maxwell, I know you didn't. So not that I didn't just tell you 10 minutes ago. Not that we talk before the podcast. We don't say a word and keep all of our thoughts super fresh before this. Um, but yeah, so LCS, I'm not going to super cover because <laughs> no one cares about North America. Um, LCS is having a shit ton of like visa issues with people right now. So it's supposed to be their spring lock-in. They started doing a tournament to start the season. They started that last year uh, where I think Cloud9 took it all on the spring lock-in. It's either Cloud9 or TL. I'm kind of mixing up the mid-season split and the spring lock-in. So someone can play me for it. I don't really care because it's LCS. Uh, but yeah, so they're having a bunch of beast issues. So they have a shit ton of their academy players. And like most of the teams aren't playing their actual rosters. So it really is all the hype that I had for lock-in tournament. Because I like lock-in tournament a lot. Like uh, theoretically, it's like start off the season with a tournament. Who's coming off a break? Ready to fucking go. Ready to win. Who's the powerhouses? It's like an immediate. We get to rank all of the teams immediately before starting the season. And then get to see how it goes. Yeah, but now it's just like all these teams can just be like, "Oh, uh, well, we had our academy player in for this one <laughs> role, so now it doesn't matter." Like it, um, yeah, it's it makes the whole lock-in tournament just feel like a waste. Games have been really fucking slow. It's like, yeah, it's like the worst of both worlds for it. It's like LCS. It's slower than normal LCS style because academy players normally play slower than pro players. Like that, just you know, better you are, faster you play the game. Um. So yeah, that's disappointing. LEC's been pretty good though. They got two super teams, quote unquote, with Fnatic and Vitality. Uh, Alfari, who was TL's top laner last year, and Perks, who was C9's mid laner last year, originally from Europe, both went back over the pond. Um, and are now on Vitality. And Perks is probably known as the best Western mid laner. And his first game back, he got Club Penguin absolutely demolished it was it was terrible he got killed like twice within the first five minutes he gets he gets killed he gets killed and then they show this clip uh of two people coming killing him when they both use their ultimates and then it goes back and everyone's level four in the map and if you know anything about league you need to be level six to use your ultimate so we got a little clip from the future and then it was a matter of how long do you have to wait to see the clip from the future that they played <laughs> because they're obviously streaming on a delay um so the casters had a great time joking about that being like oh i think diana's gonna flash ulti this <laughs> auction right now and yasuo is probably gonna oh my god i predicted it um but yeah okay tangent aside vitality and uh fanatic went against each other last night and that is like what people think would be the top two seeds in LEC. Fnatic pulled the dub. I'm rooting for Fnatic all the way. So we'll see how the season goes. I like the a lot of the people on Vitality, but their jungler self-made is a big old doo-doo bag and a jerk face to his teammates. So consequentially, I don't like Vitality. So if you start watching LEC, root for Fnatic, be a Chad. But yeah. Hype, hype that it's back either way. Always fun watching pro play. That's they exciting. really define the meta when people play the game, so it's useful normally to stay on top of it anyways because pros will pull out some random wonk shit and then in your next like 50 solo queue games, people are going to be trying to pretend that they're pro players and play shit that they aren't qualified to play. So, Oh, a spicy take. Dropping I'm keep, shit bombs. <laughs> I'm keeping it easy right now. I'm not going too hard yet. 
Oh, and Elden Ring's coming out this year. I'm just going to start bringing that up every single time because I'm just Next getting, month. I'm getting more excited for it. My heart's starting to race a little bit because I'm getting all worked up, baby. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. February has Elden Ring, Horizon Forbidden West, and Dying Light 2 all releasing. Which is hype. Well, I thought Dying Light 2 already came out. <laughs> was supposed to, and it's been delayed many times. But now that they're actually releasing completion times, and I th- it might have even gone gold, um, then they... Uh, it should be coming out in February. I feel I feel better about it coming out in February. I saw something on Twitch about like a Dying Light 2 release party, which I assume meant it was being released that day, but I guess maybe they're just giving people hype on the train for it already. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it's February. I uh, didn't think it was coming out last week, so I mean, I'm, I'm with it, but uh, God of War is on PC now. Got a nice little email from Steam that a game on my wish list is now available, which is hype so if you're a pc gamer want to play god of war that's available and i think it's actually still going on right now i didn't realize i had so many little bullet points to talk about in my head Um, (laughs) uh gdq i believe is still going on through the rest of the weekend so if you're watching right now maybe it actually ended up finishing global dietary conference closely how did you know well gdq might have just finished yesterday i thought it normally runs through the weekend um I didn't look at their schedule too closely, but if you like watching speedruns, GDQ is the place to go. Game's done quick. Uh, oh, and they post yeah, yeah. All of their shit on YouTube. So if there's a game that you like, you can pretty much most likely search like, I like watching Dark Souls. Dark Souls GDQ. Get to watch runs from not just this year, but the last quintillion years that they have. Uh, they raise money for the Prevent Cancer Foundation. Last I checked when I was watching, they were like 1.5 million. They normally raise at least one and a half million up to like a couple million every year for it. Or actually, I guess every six months because they do it twice a year. So, yeah, I if just like read an article about them and they've like over they're approaching like 40 million in lifetime charity raised, which is crazy. Yeah, no, it's awesome. So if you like watching speed runs, then definitely check out GDQ's website for the next time that they're doing it. Like I said, they do it twice a year. Uh, goes to a good cause. And I'm pretty sure they literally like keep... It's like Twitch stream. You can probably watch it on their website too. But they literally just have speed runs going on all day long, bring in great people to speed run. And then they have people on the couch to kind of explain what they're doing while they're speed running. So it's it's really cool to watch. I Last I tuned in... Someone was doing Sekiro any percent blindfolded. They were an hour and a half into their blindfolded run. And I'm like, you're a fucking insane man for having an hour and a half of just auditory cues and haptic feedback. Right. That's probably the only two things that they get are vibration from their controller and their auditory cues. Uh, That's fucking insanely impressive. So now we need to see the blindfold Dark Souls single button playthrough. (laughs) You know, the Morse code Dark Souls playthrough. That's that's the next one. Yeah, the I didn't realize that. I mean, I know that blindfold runs are they're not popular, but they're definitely gaining popularity. But I had only heard about people doing it for Super Mario 64. So which is all I've watched so far. Yeah. Which if you know anything about Super Mario 64, trying to get set up for uh, backwards long jump when blindfolded. <laughs> looks fucking horribly difficult and knowing whether or not you executed the backwards long jump successfully also horribly fucking difficult when you can't see your screen so 
Not that I ever watch a speedrun. I don't know any of the strats. I don't even know what speedrunning is. Yeah, lame. What is running? <laughs> That's all I got. I'm done. I'm retired. That's good stuff. I'm, I'm proud. Thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah. I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> okay. Well, so for my tech news, I meant to talk about this a few podcasts ago, but I just wanted to mention. So we talked about dark plates for the PS5, the D-brand had originally come out with and eventually Sony was able to actually file a design patent in Canada and send a cease and desist. So they stopped making the ones that I have and released Dark Plates 2.0. And so the Dark Plates 2.0 follow the rounded curvature of that middle like piano gloss black um, side. So you don't have the little collars that have the cool texturing on them with the symbols. But they did add texturing on the inside of the Dark Plates 2.0 that you won't be able to see when they're installed. But it's a bunch of binary that supposedly actually spells out the entire cease and desist letter, or at least good chunks of the cease and desist letter from Sony. So just want another hats off to dbrand for continuing to be the most Chad and awesome uh, company out there in the tech industry. Classic dbrand touch. They don't know how to use anything other than their middle finger, I'm pretty sure, which I appreciate. So (laughs) (laughs) they, yeah, they, I love them. I I don't know much else beyond the company, but their, their social media presence and the, the vibe they're going for. I vibe. vibe. It It is a vibe. (laughs) Anti-vibe. Too far of a throwback. (laughs) Yeah. That's an inside joke. So leave it at that. Don't ask us what it means. Um, so buy a nice hammer. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I got to say. <laughs> so Riot, the game company, unrelated Who? to any games we talk about on the podcast, um, they are offering twenty five percent of people's annual salaries and three months of subsidized health care. So basically, uh, a quarter of the year worth of benefits across the board. Um, if people want to leave the company and aren't fully invested in the new vision and direction that they're going. Um, so right now there is a, they already do a program that they call Q Dodge, um, which I think is a great name. Um, but it's for new employees within the first, I don't know, six months to a year of working for the company that if they aren't loving it there, they, the riot will offer them 10% of their salary if they want, if they want to decide to leave, um, to basically support them like hey if this isn't a good fit it's not going to be good for either the employee or the company so we'll support you for a little bit to help you find some new work and stuff and the reason they're doing it they're going through a bunch of internal changes and so they've now expanded that program to all employees whether or not you're new and increased it to 25 percent of salary and three months of of health benefits um, to help people find new work if they want and basically being like hey if you're on board we're happy we're happy to have you here but we understand if you don't want to um I just thought that was that was a nice option for people. Um, and I think more companies should be more focused on if they and their employees align in values and direction and where they want to go and support that. Because it, it it's toxic in both directions. When it's not a good fit, the employees can bring other employees down, which brings teams down, brings the company down overall. And so it's a good way instead of a company just like trying to get rid of people they're actually supporting it and making like a at least a concerted effort to help them find new employment and, and kind of align that so i thought it seemed like a positive story to me there's two sides to every coin who knows but it does seem like a positive story but rita's also 
fucked up a lot in the past, so I don't think my my view of them still pretty bad at the end of the day. Regardless of how I feel about League, I mean that that's totally different. Okay. But they they have enough uh, like sexual harassment and shit like that allegations and lawsuits against them. Like the yeah gaming gaming company culture, they definitely they definitely embodied really well or poorly however you want to word it <laughs> yeah. you know what i'm trying to say yeah. <laughs> they didn't do a good job for a long time so i i mean i think it's it's definitely getting better from what i've heard but yeah it's not good so hopefully a step in the right direction um leave it at that uh sony company that Who? produces playstations um announced that they will be continuing to manufacture playstation 4s in the calendar year 2022 and they plan to build approximately 1 million ps4s and this is a change of plan based on their inability to keep up with ps5 demand um and so ps4 obviously is a much more mature architecture and the components and stuff would be cheaper cheaper and easier to source so it allows them to continue to meet some gamer demand and because on the xbox side xbox has a less powerful next-gen console in the xbox series s that kind of gives people that don't need the specs of the xbox series x an option um, for people who don't necessarily want or have the money to buy the ps5 we'll still be able to get some newly manufactured ps4s hopefully so kind of interesting and on the flip side xbox has announced that the xbox one has been discontinued they are no longer manufacturing xbox ones which makes more sense because like i said they have the xbox series s um and in that news digital was it digital foundry somebody did a video comparing the xbox series s with the xbox one x so the xbox one x being the top of the line xbox one console that was supposed to be capable of 4k 60 frames per second it was the most powerful console of the last generation and is a powerful console still in its own right um, and i thought it was an interesting comparison and it was kind of like a blow for blow between the xbox one x and the xbox series s which gave me new perspective and helps me understand where the xbox series s is meant to fit in um it does have the potential i still stand by the fact that it's reduced memory bandwidth and um lack of physical disk drive and can hold game development back and game developers have openly complained about its inadequacies um but the fact that it's on a similar level with some new architecture and technologies the xbox one x kind of lends some legitimacy and helps you understand like if you don't if you have a 1080p display and not planning to upgrade soon you don't need to buy or don't plan on buying a lot of games where it would make sense to get the xbox series x or something to that effect the xbox series s is making more sense to me i'm understanding um <laughs> I'm proud yeah. of you. Thank you. Because <laughs> I've I've definitely shit on it a lot, and like I said, I still stand by the fact that it it's it's interesting, but I I'm 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 getting it. I'm not as upset by it anymore. And you can still easily get an Xbox Series S. So there's something to be said for availability and getting access to next gen uh, games. Um, even though Xbox has pretty much taken the approach of if you can play it on one console, you can play it on all of them. Um, so. 
buying a next-gen console isn't that important. But since they're discontinuing the Xbox One, if you don't have anything and you want an Xbox console, Series S, you can do it, you know? Not save a Save a little scratch, buy a little game here and there, you know? Bibbidi bop. Exactly. Couldn't say and, it better. And uh, I guess, again, just to further say, I forget what they call their program, but the fact that you can finance an Xbox console and it includes Game Pass, so it's over the course of two years, you will be paying a monthly fee rather than buying the console outright in cash. And I think for the Series S, it's something like $25 a month and then $35 a month for the Series X. And you do that for two years. And at the end of the two years, the console is yours. You own it. And you have Game Pass Unlimited that entire time. So you're not having to buy games on top of it. And I think that is still, without question, my favorite thing in the games industry right now. I think that's genius. Because it's it's not super easy to come up with 300 or $500 of cash to just throw it down on a console. Um, but monthly, setting aside that amount and also getting the Game Pass with it so you're not having to buy games... I think that is probably the best way that Game Pass makes sense to me as well. So Game Pass. Xbox makes sense to me now. I'm an enlightened individual. You're going to sell your PlayStation 5, aren't you? It's already sold. That's just a cardboard cutout. <laughs> I couldn't admit sold it, the but now I Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, Oliver already mentioned God of War PC is out uh the port is fantastic uh, i've watched digital foundry's analysis of it it uh on a gtx 1060 a several generations old um like mid-tier graphics card can still run it on pc at 1080p um around 60 frames per second which is pretty awesome and and that's with like the original like ps4 settings or whatever um and that's still what I think most people have in their PCs, that or greater, which is awesome. No one, no one has a 1060 in their PC, dude. Come exactly. on. Exactly. That's outdated. Uh, <laughs> um, but also, so a new Ryzen 5700G, which is their APU, so it has the integrated graphics in it, you could run and get a playable experience up to 40 or 50 frames per second um, at 1080p with God of War. Um, it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> pretty ridiculous, but a beacon of hope if you are having trouble sourcing a GPU. Um, and that's what I have been recommending to anyone buying a computer right now is get a, a a CPU with a good integrated graphics. And you can play a surprising amount of games in a playable way without having a dedicated GPU to tide you over until you're eventually able to source one for a reasonable price. Um, so, and God of War worked out great. It's a great port. It's been running smoothly. Haven't heard any quality issues, huge bugs. The performance is fantastic. And it's one of the, my, my favorite game of all time, now available to that many more people. It's a great day to be a gamer. <laughs> Maybe I'll sell my computer and just get the 50 whatever G. Just the 50 would add no, <laughs> yeah, sell no the entire computer. Either. No RAM. Yeah, just get a just CPU. Tape it to my tape it to my monitor. Get that power going. Power going. Um that's all one computer, right? You just tape a yeah. CPU to the monitor and you're good. I'm pretty sure. I think that's how it works. I mean my 1060 doesn't do anything according to me, so Exactly. I'm sorry, baby. Um 
And so I did confirm Dying Light 2 comes out February 4th, uh, okay. 2022. Should have so, done February 14th. If you Nothing is more uh, romantic than Zambies <laughs> eating you, so... <laughs> exactly. Uh... The, if you search Google, it does list uh, Dying Light 2's release date of December sometime of 2021. So um, It's already out. It's, it's already out, according <laughs> to Google. But according to Dying Light, it comes out in February. Um, and then, finally, I'll end it on a potentially exciting rumor. And it is definitely a rumor. But Sony did just file a patent for backwards compatibility via software. And specifically outlining how they would do software backwards compatibility on a PS5 for PS1, PS2, and PS3, if I understand it correctly. Something to that effect. But obviously people are reading a lot into that, and maybe they should, that we might finally get native backwards compatibility support for older games on the PS5. For those of you who don't know, Xbox has knocked it out of the park with backwards compatibility. You can pretty much throw any Xbox, Xbox 360, Xbox One game into an Xbox series console and it will work. And it will also benefit from improved performance, like games that have unlocked frame rates and stuff like that can can sometimes get auto HDR uh, so it looks better. It can have better frame rates, more stable frame rates. It's backwards compatibility. Xbox is in a league of its own pretty incredible um sony because the architecture they've used in their consoles they kind of shot themselves in the foot with the ability to do backwards compatibility so notably in the original ps3 that was released they had a ps2 motherboard in the ps3 to allow it to do backwards compatibility and that's not backwards compatibility that's a ps3 that has a ps2 in it um yep <laughs> so that's how they got backwards compatibility and the ps2 was backwards compatible with the ps1 so i think the, the original ps3 you had backwards compatibility there but the ps3 notably used a weird what they called a cell architecture i'm not technical enough to know exactly what that means but different than the typical x86 architecture that's common in PCs and most consoles now. So it makes it difficult to emulate, do backwards compatibility, all these kind of things. So the PS5 is backwards compatible with PS4 games, but that's where it stops. And so people have always been like, oh, we'd love to be able to play our PS3 games or PS2 games. And when we're talking about the preservation of gaming history, um, that's something that's also a very important discussion and why Game Pass is potentially concerning because when you're not actually purchasing the license of the software, it can come and go and they can kind of choose what games will stay and will go. And so you lose a little bit of that. So from a software preservation standpoint, having backwards compatibility would be cool. Whether they do it natively, if they do it at all, who knows? But the patent is exciting. There's hope. We'll see. How do you feel about Nintendo's approach to handling older titles and keeping software alive, a.k.a. charging for literally fucking everything, even though the game got released like 30 years ago? It is a unique approach. (laughs) I will give you that. But. Yeah, that's. I. It's basically what Xbox is doing, but they're charging for it is, I mean, like, so the, the all, the 3d all-stars that had the super Mario 64, super Mario galaxy and super Mario sunshine, um, not in that order, but, uh, (laughs) 
or they were all remastered so a better resolution a little bit cleaner but it's effectively the same game and what xbox is doing is you pop in an old title and for a lot of them the xbox can automatically create a lot of those improvements and upscaling without needing to re-release the software um there might be some marginal improvements that nintendo has done to make it more compatible with the switch somehow some additional features but yeah it seems that nintendo they they do and they get away with it they just they charge only full price exclusively for everything always and people who like nintendo pay it and Mm -hmm. and people don't even seem to be that upset by it they're just like Mm -hmm. yes please nintendo i am i'm happy to pay 60 dollars for the three games you will release this generation a Mario Kart, a Super Smash, and a Mario game. Maybe a Zelda game. Metroid, if it's like every two decades. And uh, maybe a Mario Party, you know? Throw it in there. And uh, that's Nintendo. And they're like, because we release five games, we have to charge full price. That's uh, Our hands are tied. It's the only way to make money. <laughs> so it's a different strategy. It's interesting. I'm glad they added the SNES and N64 emulation with the, with the premium like Nintendo Online membership. But that just kind of goes back to the Game Pass potential issues where it's not really game preservation if they can pick and choose, like, if you'll be able to use it. And it's a service you have to pay for. You don't own the games. So that's, I guess that that's my opinion, is it's it's a way. It's better than PlayStation, which doesn't really have the option other than kind of through PlayStation Now which is their subscription service for some older games that isn't really that viable because there's not a lot of great games on it. Um, Xbox definitely is, like I said, in a class of its own backwards compatibility. So I was fine with it when it was like the Wii store used to have. You could buy like Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask for like five bucks or something like that. Like I'll pay I'll pay a little bit of dollar for the hauler to get some old <laughs> titles. But uh yeah, they just seem to be going deeper in the we're just going to keep charging you a ridiculous amount of money to play a game that got released in, what, like, Ocarina of Time was 96 or 7, and Majora's Mask was 98, so it's like, this game should not be costing more than 5 bucks right now. I'm fine with paying the 5 bucks. Like, I, 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 I'm cool with paying money, I guess, to incentivize them to keep doing it and making sure it stays available, because otherwise I don't see how, like, a lot of companies aren't I think gonna want to put the time in to make sure that's still available, but yeah, like we say that games like that are classics, right? And the gaming thing, you go on the Metacritic, and it's like Super Mario sixty four has one of the best scores of all time still. And if it's not an available game that no one's gonna play, then sure, it, it was a classic, and now it doesn't exist. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're not making it available, you're functionally making the game an artifact of history and nothing more and no longer a game so yeah it's who knows and and that's why when people create emulators and like uh, illegally create their own roms of games it, it if the game is currently available for sale and you can procure it to play on a system i that i understand why that's frowned upon but most of the time, those emulators and ROMs are for games that you can no longer purchase um, mm-hmm. or play. So you're you're no longer effectively removing a revenue stream for the company. So pragmatically speaking, you're preserving, you're not taking money. But 
just like Sony did with the cease and desist on all of the plates. And it took them like a year and a half to almost two years to fucking get their own version of the plates out. They're just protecting their potential future revenue streams, thinking about themselves, which I mean, I've said this a billion times, businesses are built to make money, at least for-profit businesses. And they are especially publicly traded companies. They speak generally to the shareholders first, no matter what they say about a customer first approach. Um, so they're going to do what they're going to do to try and make money and make bets on making money in the future. And it's unfortunate. But I think Oliver and I both agree that emulation and ROMs for not currently sold produced games is a perfectly reasonable thing to do. Even for old games. I mean, it's just like, at this point, yeah, I feel like I don't know what the like lag that I would say is appropriate for, but like for sure, like N64 and GameCube before those gens, it's like, yeah, just if people want to emulate it and play it, let them fucking emulate and play it. All you're doing, I feel, I feel like it makes more sense to let them do it anyways, because if I played one of the old Mario games and really liked it, you know, or some shit like that, it's just going to make me want to play Odyssey 2 when it comes out or the new Odyssey, right, for Mario. It's like all you're going to do is get more fans by doing it and the potential revenue that you're getting from charging for it, you know, and then having us shit on it. So then bad press because we're number one press tech news. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I just, I don't, I don't really see the point. And like a lot of people don't want to take the time to put up with emulation either. So it's like, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't see it as that big of a, big of an L. But if you do code and you want to help out with uh, emulation projects, there's plenty of, aka all the open source ones, aka all the ones available essentially, um, <laughs> you know, I could really use some help. Yeah. The, it, it's the kind of, it's almost paradoxical, but it's what I've talked about with humanocracy versus bureaucracy. And if, if a company, bureaucratic companies love to make people not talk about how much they're paid and do everything in their power to pay you the least amount of money possible. But in reality, if you actually pay a competitive wage above the industry standard, the employees will feel but first of all, you'll attract a larger talent pool, which means you have a better chance of attracting higher value employees. Um, but you'll also create a more positive work environment and create um, investment from your employees in the company. And so even though it's a marginal amount of increase in cost to the bottom line or whatever bullshit they want to talk about, you're actually going to get better quality work, better employees, better satisfaction across the board. And that, that's why it's kind of paradoxical. You're spending a little bit more money to have this this greater effect. It's the same thing with the GR86 I just bought. I was able to get it for MSRP in an environment where a lot of dealers are adding a five to $10,000 markup on all new cars because of the shortage in the way the market is. But this particular dealer, even though they're not potentially making as much profit margin as they could be, with the rest of the market, what they're doing is they're they're still making money and they're creating a goodwill and a strong customer base and a repeat customer base that remembers the positive treatment they had and weren't taken advantage of. And so now they're going to have more people coming back and, and playing that long game. So those are all things. And so to your point with the these older games, you're creating this positive brand image of encouraging the simulation and the companies aren't making money from those games anymore. So all you're doing is creating fan bases and people that will 
are, are happy that this company encourages that. And I think that's why Xbox has gained a lot of market share is because they've they've made missteps and they're they're not perfect and there are things we disagree with but overall they seem to be taking this very gamers first approach or at least attempting to come across that way and i think they're building a lot of goodwill in the consumer base um which i mean sony still has some very strong first party ips but i've shit on sony a lot this generation and uh there's certainly going to be a good number of people that are on the fence that make those deciding things based on that and a strong ip might not be enough to draw them especially when those ips are starting to come to pc so um yeah there's my soapbox but it's it's interesting it's paradoxical but typically taking a little bit of a monetary hit to produce this goodwill and investment and treat people like people is uh generally better overall weird weird i'm shocked That's all I got. Podcast is done. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah. So I guess with that, we can uh, slurp on over to the soundtrack matchups Ooh. this week. Who's going first? You are. God. What if I said you are? Okay. I, I can go first. No, I'll do it. Okay. You do it. I'll do it. Okay. I'll you do, do it. it. I'll do it. Okay. You do it. I'll do it. All right. I'm talking about. <laughs> And uh, ooh, I'm talking about the best, most sensical matchup that anyone could possibly conceive of in their mind. Halo 2 versus Dying Light 2. No, Dying Light. <laughs> <laughs> A soundtrack that'll be coming out in like two weeks. Um, ooh, yeah, where to begin? This is, this is, a, this is a bad matchup, um, but that is, that is okay. Um, Halo, Martin O'Donnell. Yes, yes, mm, yes, yes. Quite. We love Martin and Dying Light. Uh, I'm just gonna say Powell, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do Powell B because I'm not gonna <laughs> absolutely atomic butcher his name. Blaskowitz. Um, yeah, if you want to try, you're uh, more than welcome. Two very different soundtracks. Dying Light, obviously, a rather um, dark and gloomy game. Um, the soundtrack I feel like provides great atmosphere, even though Maxwell doesn't like the soundtrack at all, as I only learned recently, and I'm very hurt by that. Um, but that's okay. Uh, I like the soundtrack to Dying Light a lot. This has probably been one of, in terms of like recent games that have come out, this is definitely the soundtrack I've listened to the most uh, for any game that's come out in the last like five years. Like, Especially, I had a big electronic music bender, really dark and cynical, perfect to put on while you're working. You know, you want to be a little angry while you're working, so it really helps you focus in. Uh, but I think it complements the game really well. I agree, Maxwell criticized it in the past for being maybe a little samey. I don't think it's as samey throughout the soundtrack as you do. I think there's actually quite a bit of diversity in the soundtrack. Mm, but spicy. like I said, it is what I like to listen to anyways, so... I think for the song, I'd have to pick Departure. I mean, I could pick like Her Honor, Horizon. Like the intro scene is very iconic and they have that spooky little synth. Boom, 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 boom. And you're like, I'm going to die now. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I I think this, it complemented the game super well. I mean, yeah, I just, I don't know what else to say. You just got to listen to it. 
because it's kind of its own thing. And that's why I liked it so much because I felt like I hadn't heard a soundtrack from a game that was as dark and cynical as this. Like when I think of other zombie game soundtracks, I don't even I don't think of anything because they're shit in comparison to Dying but yeah, I've listened to this way more than I have the Halo soundtrack. I'm picking Halo over... I was going to pick Halo 2 originally, and I'm picking Halo 1. I don't know if I said that. So if you wrote Halo 2, I'm super sorry. I'm picking Halo OG. I literally cannot go back and change it. It's permanent. I know. That's the problem. <laughs> so I started listening to the Halo 2 soundtrack, and I forgot that I'm picking the Halo soundtrack because it is everything that's grand and badass about the Halo soundtrack, but it's pre them realizing how grand and badass the halo soundtrack was <laughs> yeah because halo fair. 2 and halo 3 came out and then like you know all the iconic songs then they started putting this like rock theme behind it you know and they're like now we're edgy and hardcore we're the fucking master chief we're gonna kill all these little booga boogas um like the halo soundtrack is just the to me the pure halo experience you know they martin made the soundtrack and he was like i don't know what's gonna happen Right. So it's just this grand, epic, badass music because that's pretty much the whole game. You're just you're a pimp with a gun (laughs) running through space. (laughs) This is a great synopsis of both these soundtracks. And I'm going to I'm not going to stop. We're professional video game journalists. Thank you. (laughs) Master Chief is a pimp. It's canon. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, that's that's why I'm not picking the new ones. I don't mind the like rockier side of things, but when I'm listening to it, it just feels like it, especially just listening to it, it feels like it pulls away from all of the things that make Halo feel epic and badass. You know, it's like that, the like choiry, you know, big sound, just like filling up auditorium singing by yourself. I'm referencing so many bad memes right now. Um, <laughs> so. So, yeah, that's that's good enough. Halo, everyone knows. And by everyone, I mean, if you played a game ever in your life you know uh dying light i expect less people to know so i decided that i was going to pick dying light just to piss everyone off um but i don't think in good faith i can do that even though (laughs) (laughs) so so what what are you picking let's let's get some clarity i'm stressing out i'm stressing okay the halo soundtrack is so classic and so epic and so great in so many regards but my love for Halo has dwindled over time. I mean, the memories are fond. But like, I listen to Powell's music outside of his soundtrack stuff because he composes a lot of stuff. Like, I just really like his fucking music a lot um, and listen to. I have listened to like all of his stuff, at least that's available on like Spotify and probably a good chunk on YouTube as well. So it is actually harder for me than it probably should be to decide what to pick. Uh, but I kind of... Yeah, let's stick with pissing people off. Let's stick with Dying Light. Why not? I'm going to get absolutely butcher flamed for this, but I really like the soundtrack. Um, It's one of the few games that I've played through multiple times, and part of the reason I enjoy playing through the game so much is because I just like listening to the soundtrack with the environment that they put on the screen. I think it fits so well together. Like, I think the music that he made just complements the game so well, where it's like Halo fits the game, but it is more of a soundtrack on top of it in terms of like you're listening to songs that are, it's not like complimenting. I don't know how to say it. You know what I'm trying to say? It's not a homogenous mixture. 
Yeah, you know? it's like two things that mix well. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not like the same tone where I think that Powell with Dying Light makes he makes a little homogenous mixture between your ears and your eyeballs that fit really well together. Um Dying Light would have been like a 2 out of 10 if they didn't have the soundtrack, but it's a 10 out of 10. I'm factoring in how much the soundtrack <laughs> brings to the game. That's why. There we go. I mean, yeah, there's a million different criteria we could use, and that kind of affects what wins. But I think that's fair, and especially because you listen to Powell's music so much outside of it as well, that just the the composition and, and what it is musically by itself, outside of what it brings to the game. I think it's fair. Yeah. I also think I said heterogeneous, um, which is not how you pronounce it. Just wanted to acknowledge I'm a hetero- that. I know that. Genius. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but I, I think that's fair. I I'm not super shocked that you picked Dying Light. I I I don't think I would have been surprised either way you went, which I think is probably a testament to how close this probably was for you as well. It wasn't fun to think about. I can tell you that. I know I'm going to get butcher flame for it, but. That's uh, any you know, opinion once we said ever. We, once we weren't excited for Halo Infinite, I was like, I can't pick the Halo soundtrack anymore. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, ooh, Dying Light hasn't come out yet, so it hasn't had a chance. Or Dying Light 2 hasn't come out yet, so it hasn't had a chance to disappoint us yet. Um, like Halo Infinite would have. So, Yeah, I mean, Halo has a bunch of awesome songs. It is still a great soundtrack, but it is... To me, just kind of a dying series. But I heard that Halo Infinite was pretty good. So I didn't hear anything about the online. I heard that the the solo player was enjoyable to go through. Um, so that's not a great. That's not what you want to hear about a flagship series for a brand. Is that ah, that's exactly so it was what all I right. want to hear? Like, sure, yeah, I'll play it. Like, I mean, I'm glad it didn't suck, but it's just. For what Halo could be and how we've seen, at least specifically God of War, and obviously I'm biased, like kind of reinvent itself, I think Halo missed an opportunity to do something greater than fan service. But I agree. But there's something to be said for fan service too. It can be great, and they probably executed it very well. And for people who wanted that kind of original game in a modern graphical gameplay setting with some tweaks exactly what they wanted so dark souls 3 did fan service well i can tell you that much that's a good example of fan service yeah for for the zero dark souls fans that are listening to the podcast i love all of you equally spider-man no way home also a great example of fan service no spoilers no spiders no spiders yeah also (laughs) um cool well my soundtracks this week are dying light and you're keeping dying light i'm keeping dying light and it's going against death loop oh i already know it's winning this one (laughs) you think you do um i do think i do probably pretty good (laughs) but so i removed skyrim from my bracket (gasps) and here's my reasoning I don't fucking remember any songs from Skyrim. I don't. When I think of the game Skyrim, I cannot think other than the opening. La, 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 Dovahkiin, Dovahkiin. Like, other than that, which is a fucking banger. I don't think of the soundtrack. I can think of sound effects. Like, the, like when you like 
complete a quest or get like a new objective or something like that. Like there's lots of iconic sounds in the game, but the music it just doesn't. And, and it could be fantastic. I didn't even really listen to the soundtrack. I was just like, I, when I was thinking about what to eliminate, I was like, it just, it did not have a lasting impression on me. It was kind of one of those that I just felt a need to put in there because a lot of people think it's great, but I was like, that's, that's not true to me. And this is a soundtrack for what I value. And I just didn't remember it. And I've put a lot of time into Skyrim, um, not compared to a lot of people, but for me in a game, I've put quite a bit of time into Skyrim. And the fact that the soundtrack, I don't even remember at all is why I took it out ultimately. So that's my justification for that. Dying Light, I will start with. Um, for those of you who didn't know, Oliver and I attended the same university and completed the same major and spent a lot of time studying together and specifically uh doing the entire senior design project by ourselves um in the very last minute still triggered <laughs> and uh they not they but we we spent a lot of time listening to both the super mario 64 soundtrack and the dying light soundtrack so there's a lot of positive memory nostalgia for me associated with the dying light soundtrack and it does i agree with oliver entirely that how it pairs to the game and the environment and the emotions and the feel and the vibe to keep that going um, that it evokes is perfect. I, I think it melds with the game incredibly well. But Oliver already said what I was thinking about it. And that's I was listening to the soundtrack front to back. And I couldn't tell when one song started and the other one ended. Um, that's 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 a disservice and a gross oversimplification of what's actually happening. But for me, that was just kind of casually listening to it and hasn't put a lot of effort into like really being like, hmm, it just there wasn't <laughs> a, a there wasn't enough variety for me to be like, oh, yeah. And so when I was trying to think, we typically try to come up with like the songs that we would like maybe be our top songs in the game and pick any of them because they're all the fucking same. <laughs> that's oh my my answer. <laughs> Uh, that was just me being savage. I, but I truly don't have an answer. I would agree with with Oliver's that kind of do 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 boom, like that that that's so that's pretty banger, pretty iconic. Um, and it is, it's a. I do enjoy it, it even with the sameness criticism. I I do think it's a great soundtrack. It's a great song. <laughs> that they that they play over and over again. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's that's pretty much. It. No need to rehash any additional arguments uh, for Dying Light. Death Loop. So this was added, and be ready for heavy biasing because I did just complete the game and I called it my game of the year 2021, and I have very high thoughts of the game. So keep that in mind. But everyone has biases, so keep that in mind too. You know. Dumb. <laughs> we are on the couch right now. We're we so are on so hard on the couch. We're scared. We're scared of the the feedback we'll get. Um, but this soundtrack is a fucking banger. Um, so there are are four cities talked about. Um, each of them has a a slightly different feel to to the main songs. And so the songs kind of have this environmental, like cool, like fifties kind of rock vibe to them. Um. But then when you get spotted, you're out of stealth and now you're in combat, the the music 
seamlessly goes into combat music that's basically just like a more frantic drummy rocky version of the music that's already playing in the town which is a really cool seamless transition and then there's also just a musical theme throughout so there's different areas of maps that have different songs and one of the main visionaries you have to kill is like a rock and roll artist that he lives in this like sound studio um where he makes music and there's like an entire like list of six or seven songs written for that character like his album of music that's just an entirely different like folk genre within the game um and the my top song is it's called deja vu and it's i i've mentioned it before but it's this kind of every james bond movie has some like notable artist create like the the theme for that movie um and it has a very that vibe to it um for for the game death loop and it's really cool fantastic song um so if it's not obvious i will be choosing death loop over dying light um for for the the obvious reasons i've already mentioned death loop also does a phenomenal job of matching the environment um and creating the senses of urgency in combat and the the feeling of the environment out of combat and the different parts of the environment as the music changes. And it's just such an integral part of the game. Um, like I talked about with some of the characters and there are concerts going on that you can interrupt and do these things. Like it's just music is kind of integrated much more heavily than you would expect into the game, which I think kind of lends itself to having this fantastic soundtrack. So for me, that's why Deathloop wins. Um, as far as like the composer, it's listed as various artists because there's a lot of different um, contributing artists based on the different songs and the styles that they have in it. I don't, I, I don't have the information right now on like who like the main producer or soundtrack person is. Um, but I recommend going uh, on the Bethesda YouTube. They have the entire soundtrack front to back, and they have like a actual not a static image but like a visual of a cool location from that area with like one of the characters just kind of dancing on the youtube video while the music plays and stuff so it's, it's a really well done like if you want to listen to the soundtrack it's kind of entertaining to have on um recommend going and doing that but yeah death loop death loop wins so dying light had two chances and it survived it survived it made it through with the double chance Every Halo song I'm thinking about right now is making me regret my choice, but fuck if I care, baby. Dying lights winning. Let's go. Oh. I, I want I want people I want people molding when they're done listening to this. I want to be flamed by all my friends. What do you think if Halo had won this week that it would have a legitimate chance at being your number one soundtrack of all time? Thing is, I don't want Halo to win, so I'm biased. Because I want people to be mad, so. Yes, we all got biases. But there's um, also something to be said about, like, kind of being upset at how popular something is, too. <laughs> like, I think that's a legitimate, like, concern of, like, oh, you know, like, it's it's too good. <laughs> it's too I don't know good. where I'm going with that. It's a dumb point, but. I mean, yeah, there's obviously a lot of iconic songs from Halo, and it is it is definitely a very iconic soundtrack, but. Yeah, it's hard to. The problem is, is I feel like it's just really hard to. What do you want to call it? Like separate, because Halo is such a popular series. The soundtrack has been so popular, right? It's it can be hard to separate like 
those biases from what it actually represents. So it's like a lot it's a lot easier for me to think about what Dying Light soundtrack adds to it because it is a much less popular game and I feel like it's a lot easier to understand and talk about the soundtrack than Halo because it's like if I talk to most people about this matchup and I didn't pick Halo, it would just be them yelling at me for 30 minutes straight for being a <laughs> dummy, right? And it's like there's just like no cohesive way to have a conversation about it because that's just how people are going to react. Yeah. It's to your point. I mean, like I Halo has that kind of heavy nostalgia that I have with the Dying Light soundtrack for me. Just thinking about like when you hear that music, you think about going back and playing co-op campaigns on Xbox and Xbox 360 with your friends or late nights and staying up and playing through a campaign and that plays heavily into it. I mean, the flop it to bomb, flop it to bomb, but like that and the Gregorian chant that everyone's familiar with are like the only two things I can really recall from Halo. I keep thinking about the when they do the story building scene and they have those violins playing really softly as like Cortana's talking to you. That's what I got stuck mm. in my head right now is like this is Halo being emotional right now and really setting up the tone for the story that's about to be told. <laughs> Maybe it's good. Now, I guess to to do the final couch. We're never saying that we think these games are objectively or these soundtracks are objectively the best in any of our no, brackets. I am. Well, Oliver's dumb, so. <laughs> but it's death threats. This is for us. So you are allowed to prefer Halo to Dying Light, and you are allowed to be wrong and prefer Dying Light to Deathloop. Um, that that's that's your freedom. <laughs> well spoken, do. Maxwell. Yeah, but uh, it's all fun and games. We're here to discuss. At the end of the day, discuss and enjoy the soundtracks. Go listen to them all. Make your own. If you can just go listen to them, I think you'll like all of them. And let us know in the comments what you think should have won. Let us know how wrong you are. I do really don't like the rockiness when I was listening to the soundtrack. It like is so distracting from the epic nature of it. It like makes it feel a lot more churlish. It's it's funny because I Halo Two was in my bracket earlier in the the top 16 and i i prefer i chose halo 2 over halo 1 because i thought they evolved the soundtrack um so two two varying opinions there i can see both sides of the coin there if you Halo's don't remember combat evolved though it's already evolved <laughs> halo 2 reloaded um but they uh <laughs> halo 2 didn't advance in my bracket anyway so it's a moot point but yeah honestly we just hate halo on the mo video game soundtrack so <laughs> I've actually never played a Halo game. Uh, to be fair, Halo Two was defeated by Doom 2016, and that soundtrack is a oh yeah, that one is banger. <laughs> that one makes more sense. Mine is mine is definitely a trigger a trigger pick. But who's being triggered? It's up to you to decide, really, because it's probably exactly. the listener. <laughs> it's a lesson for us all. Everyone disagrees with you somewhere. It's life. M- most places. Most places, yeah. Especially when you're Oliver. Every day. Just have the wrong opinions always. I get reminded constantly, and at this point, I'm very used to it. But I think that about wraps it up for this week's episode of the Mo Video Games Top 16 Video Games Soundtrack episode. We're in... So close to an hour. 
We almost did it. We're 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 getting better. We're learning. Um, our internal clocks are readjusting. Uh, but I think this was our fifth uh soundtrack. So we have three Wait. more um of matchups. No one knows yet because we we are not publicly posting our our bracket right now. So um they'll be revealed once we go through the final three and you guys know what the rest of our soundtracks are i'll post a public link to the bracket so everyone can kind of see what will be coming up what's going up against each other but let us know also in the comments down below instagram youtube where you can find us and you should subscribe and hit the notification bell and all that stuff um what you think our remaining six games are for the matchups what do you think they should be i'm curious let us know no one will but I'll choose every yeah. single one. If someone posts it, if someone posts Super Mario 64 six times, I'll do I'll do it. I'll let all six Super Mario 64 duke out again. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it, bruh. <laughs> Don't make me do it. Okay, I'm done. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Check us out on social media. Stay happy, healthy, safe, warm, or cool if you're warm right now. And uh, catch you all in the next one. Juicy. Juicy.